Going into today's podcast, we thought of doing it all in rhyme, but trust us, it wasn't easy, so we won't waste your time. Hey, I'm just an ordinary smarter than the average bear, and that's nothing that's worse for wear. Yeah, we can't keep this up all episode. <laughs> Pembroke Brown, you corgi, I don't know he. So, uh, Yogi Bear is we. <laughs> You're right, I don't, <laughs> I can't do that. There are too many cartoons, but they'll watch them all. The Penny and James can sort of hopefully funny cartoon podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm James Irish. And I'm Yogi Bear. I mean, uh, Pembroke W. Corgi. Welcome once again to the Pemmy and James Kind of Sorta Hopefully Funny Cartoon Podcast, and yes, today we are looking at another of Hanna-Barbera's foundational characters, Yogi Bear. The one and only! I mean, I can't make this just me doing Yogi's voice. (laughs) As fun as that would be. (laughs) Yogi Bear was the breakout character of the Huckleberry Hound Show, Hanna-Barbera's second series made for television following the very Rocky and Bullwinkle-esque Rough and Ready. The show was their first smash hit, and Yogi caught on so well that he spun off into headlining his own series, and being the focal point for the majority of the shows and specials that would focus on the company's stable of funny animal characters going forward. Basically, if you were going to see Snagglepuss in a cartoon, Yogi was pretty much guaranteed to be there. Ditto Magilla Gorilla, and on and on. Yeah, if, if I remember right, I saw a video that Joe Barbera claimed that originally they wanted to make Yogi the star of the Huckleberry Hound show, but the uh, sponsors, which was Kellogg's, said that they would they didn't want Yogi to be the star because there was too many bear characters out around that time. So Huckleberry Hound got to be the star, which is also why he's the mayor of Jellystone. <laughs> it's not bad for a character with fairly basic and humble beginnings. You see, a lot of Hanna-Barbera's earliest characters had their voices derived from celebrities of the day, and Yogi was one of the first, being an impression of Art Carney's character Norton from The Honeymooners, brought to life by vocal performer Dawes Butler. Yeah, and it's kind of the interesting thing, though, with a lot of these Hanna-Barbera characters is the fact that they kind of outlived the inspirations in a lot of ways, because, I mean... When I saw, like, Yogi and when I was a kid, I didn't know he was based on Ed Norton because I didn't know what the Honeymooners were. <laughs> and to that point, this also would not be the last time Hanna-Barbera would draw upon that groundbreaking sitcom. But that's another story for our 50th episode. yabba And of course, the name Yogi Bear bore more than a passing resemblance to the name of iconic New York Yankees player Yogi Berra arguably the sports world's most quotable man for some time. And Barra would file a lawsuit against the animators who would claim in defense that the similar names were a coincidence. Wow, normally the crickets only chime in when I tell a bad joke. Yeah, yeah. The, even though Joseph Barbera also responded by showing a list of other names they thought of. I mean, even then, it's like, you know what you are doing from the start. Yeah, if you really believe that, Top Cat has a bridge to sell you. 
But Yogi Berra did withdraw the suit for similar reasons that Richard Gleason eventually did not seek action against the Flintstones. Yeah, I mean, do you really want to be the person that's responsible for pulling Yogi Bear or Fred Flintstone off television? I wouldn't. <laughs> no, no. Especially not back then at the peaks of their popularity. Gosh, that was must have been a really different time because these days, oh, they... To- if that happened this nowadays, they would have totally gone through with that lawsuit. Yeah, the, on Kickstarter, I saw this boxing game that's a pastiche of Punch-Out, and their final boss is titled Tyke Meissen, and he looks just like Mike Tyson. And Ooh. there are also very poorly veiled parodies of Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. Ooh. This is just screaming lawsuit bait. Yeah, just just a bit. Then again, Tyson has been willing to paradise himself as take parodies in light lately, so eh. I can't speak for Hogan, though. Yeah, for more on that, revisit our previous episode. If you haven't already, you probably have, since, it's, since that episode kind of took off. Yeah, it did pretty well on here. So, beyond all of this, though, Yoki's life is fairly idyllic. Living in Jellystone Park with his bear pal, Boo Boo, voiced by podcast favorite Don Messick, Yogi would get into all manner of situations in pursuit of food or sleep or just satisfying his own curiosity. It's interesting how different the uh, episodes that were on uh, the Huckleberry Hound show are compared to the Yogi Bear show and the fact that in the Huckleberry Hound episodes, it's not always in Jellystone. True. Very true. He proclaimed himself to be smarter than the average bear, and let me be honest, that might not be the boast he thinks it is. I mean, compared to other bears, maybe. <laughs> and to Pemmy's point, not only were not every yogi short centered around Jellystone Park, they also weren't always centered around picnic baskets and the pursuit thereof. But by the time he landed his own headlining spinoff, these things were nailed down as his defining premise. Yeah, in the early ones, there'd be just, like, random episodes where he'd just be a bear out in the wild, or try to steal a pie, or he'd, like, fake a hunter into thinking he's sick, or just very, or, like, heck, there was an episode that was just, they built two roads between his, like, cave that he was living on, and he couldn't get past the roads. To round out the premise, Ranger Smith another Messick-voiced character, often had to intervene to stop Yogi from causing trouble, or less frequently, get the bear out of trouble. Let's be honest, though. Sometimes Ranger Smith is kind of a douche, though. (laughs) Sometimes, but mostly he's just a square for the hip Yogi to be a foil to. True. Then again, I mean, I can't blame Ranger Smith for any of his jerk moments anyways, because, I mean... And you gotta deal with Yogi. (laughs) Now, we're so early in Yogi's existence here, we're not gonna go over much more of the character's history at this point. Because, well, we're starting with his very first appearance. But we'll cover much of the rest at the end of the episode. And, obviously, it's gonna lead into our next episode, too. But we'll get to that at the commercial break. Deep. So we're gonna look at some of his classic late 50s, early 60s shorts, starting with a pair of from his tenure on Huckleberry Hound's show. Then after we take our commercials, we're going to have two from his own. And let's start with the very first 
Yogi's Big Break. This short was written by Charles Shows and Dan Gordon, with animation by Kenneth Muse and Michael Law. Ooh, hey, Michael Law. If that's who I think it was. I think he directed the Droopy cartoons after uh, Tex Avery left MGM. Okay. So our short opens with Summer at Jellystone, and the tourists are flocking in, and as they are, Yogi wants out. My first impression, this animation is rougher than I remember it being, but still, it is the very first one, and Hanna-Barbera was really early on in figuring out how to manage the budget they had for television and get the most out of it. Yeah, I remember when I saw this cartoon as a kid, I didn't understand animation, or how animation worked, really, but I, I did think that, God, this looks weird. Like, something about this cartoon just looks off. I don't know what, but it just looks weird. <laughs> Yogi is telling Boo Boo that he's sick and tired of hearing, Look at the bears! Look at the bears! Look at the bears! <laughs> and as he says that, immediately we get some kids drive by going, Look at the bears! Look at the bears! Look at the bears! <laughs> this is also a reference they would revive in a later in the uh, Help It's a Hair Bear Bunch, which, ironically, the main character of that is also played by Dawes Butler. (laughs) So to get out of the park and away from these gawking kids, Yogi plans on using strategy. Behold, Yogi's first spoonerism! Stragagy. Stragagy, yeah. (laughs) His plan is to tiptoe on his paws out. But another chorus of, look at the bear, look at the bear, look at the bear, causes proto-Ranger Smith to catch him in the act. That's another fun thing in these early cartoons is, like, Ranger Smith's design fluctuates wildly in these shorts. Yeah, Um, we're not even sure if if this is intended to be a distinct character at this point yet. It's also worth mentioning that Yogi's early design is also kind of weird, because he, he this is where he's got the light brown around his eyes, which I always thought looked weird. <laughs> and his, uh, his side profile is like a cone. Yogi shifts into reverse gear and quickly makes a new plan. Catch a ride on the back of a car. Yeah, he's promptly spotted. <laughs> it, 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 you see him sulk by as he gets called out. Looks like a dejected child. (laughs) Yeah. Now here's where he actually gets clever. Disguising himself as a woman in a camper doing dishes. And adopting a falsetto voice when the ranger asks if she enjoyed the park. That's the craziest! The ranger is only momentarily fooled. And again calls Yogi out and we again get to see him sulking while still wearing the lady's outfit. I'm not sure what gave Yogi away. I I think he just realized the voice. Hmm, Possibly. Determined to prove he's smarter than the average ranger, now Yogi plays dead on a car's back wheel. The ranger stops the motorist, who has no idea what he means when asked about hunting. However, the ranger's pretty smart, and he decides to... he got to make sure... If he's going to take the bear out of the park, since he's already dead, got to make sure he's dead first. Yep. Yep. And how does he find out? A needle up the bum. With some really pain sound from Daz Butler after that. Ooh, ah, and our next event in the Jellystone Olympics, pole vaulting. Which unfortunately gets uh, defeated by a deep old gopher hole. 
That is one heck of a deep gopher hole. <laughs> that gopher must have came clear from Australia. But, in a nice little bit of logical continuity, this seems to inspire his next idea. Dig under the wall past the ranger. Which, uh, to Yogi's credit, he can dig fast. Like, I'm sure even Dig Dug would be impressed. Yeah. If there's ever a crossover Laugh Olympics, Yogi should go against Bugs Bunny for that. <laughs> we also get some of Yogi's early rhyming gags, so to speak. Check out the diagram, Sam! Now, of course, Yogi miscalculates. And ends up right into the ranger's, uh, ranger station at the park entrance. Oh, no! The next scheme is an evergreen tree improvised into a catapult, with Yogi planning to use a parachute. And this raises questions. And not, where did he get the parachute? But instead, if he was able to make a parachute, shouldn't his earlier plans have been less routine? Well, you know, the ranger uh, the ranger has a helicopter, so maybe they have a parachute inside the ranger's office. That's a fair point. But, but again... Well, eh. I'll save my nitpicking for later. <laughs> Yogi just didn't think about it yet. Yep. He, he He's smarter than the average bear, but slower than the average human sometimes. Attempt number one of this gag, Yogi forgets to let go. And the second time, well... Watch out for that! Ah! Oh! Tree! <laughs> I, I do I do like uh, Boo Boo though before they do the second one. He's like, You forgot to let go, Yogi. He's like, It don't make a it don't mean a thing if you don't pull that string. And the third time would have indeed been the charm. If Yogi didn't land in a park maintenance truck that drives right back into the park. Insert How'd you get back so fast, Yogi? I hitchhiked. I do have to say a lot of the expressions are really good in, in these sentences. Since they had limited animation, they really focus on those a lot. So, now Yogi's turned a log into an improvised cannon and is loading it with gunpowder to launch himself out. Boo-Boo lights the fuse, and just then the ranger approaches and asks Boo-Boo where Yogi is. Somehow the ranger doesn't notice this big, giant, like, emptied-out log that's behind Boo-Boo. <laughs> no kidding. But it turns out the ranger thinks it's a good thing Yogi hasn't gotten out of the park. Because hunting season is about to be in session. Hunting season? Yogi learns this just as he's launched straight out of the park and into the firing of rifles. Poor Yogi. <laughs> so Yogi runs back to the, uh, the park, which has now been locked up for the night. And he can't get back in. Yep. He's homesick after only two minutes. But wouldn't you be? <laughs> yeah. It's only been two days, and I'm already homesick! Let me in, it's Yogi Boy! So, as rough as this cartoon is with Yogi's design and the animation in general, you can tell the Hanna-Barbera formula of getting around this is similar to what... Jay Ward did to get around those limits that he encountered with creating Rocky and Bullwinkle. Emphasize on clever writing and really effective voice acting. Yep. Though, uh, a lot of the Rocky and Bullwinkle animation actually got outsourced to, like, I think, Mexico. Yeah, definitely Mexico. The earliest stuff 
was rough because the team down there had no experience. Yeah, I remember that was like Jay Ward was got really frustrated with a lot of the and outsourced animation in uh, in Rocky and Bullwinkle, which is why uh, he actually had all the animation done in the U.S. for George of the Jungle. So we're not going far from this episode because up next is the second ever Yogi Bear cartoon, Slumber Party Smarty, by the same creative team as the last one, and also has a familiar esque looking character in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Starting. This cartoon, it's winter, and Yogi is setting his alarm for springtime to hibernate. Literally. I don't know, I'm envious. There's some day there's some years where I wish I could just sleep all through winter. Uh, there were some years I wish I could sleep all through altogether. Twenty sixteen, <laughs> anyone? Sheesh. Oh no, I should say that since that is one of Yogi's many quotes, I should say that in Yogi's voice. Sheesh. <laughs> but there's a knock at the cave. And it's a little duckling that Yogi doesn't see because he's not looking down. However, the duckling just walks right in, and whenever it, like, says hi, it's like, Don't ever do that! (laughs) Yeah, the duckling explains that he got lost flying south and is too small to be on his own. And this duck is voiced by Red Coffee, who had worked with Bill and Joe as the similar character Quackers in the Tom and Jerry shorts. And though... There will be some changes in colors, because uh, this duck is blue, but this design practically gets a different color job and reused as a certain other Hanna-Barbera character. Yep, more on that in a bit. <laughs> Yogi tries to eject the duckling, who protests that he'll be quiet as a mouse, then starts sneezing and worrying about pneumonia to elicit Yogi's sympathy. This gambit works, but one peep out of him? And he's out. Or so Yogi says. The duckling agrees hand over heart, and our premise begins in earnest. Yeah, it doesn't take long for that uh, not one peep (laughs) rule to be broken. Yeah, the duckling starts pestering a snoring Yogi, going so far as to quack loudly in one ear, exposing a literal eardrum out of the other. Nice visual gag. Yes. (laughs) Uh, William Hannon and Joseph Barbera used that in Tom and Jerry as well, to the point where when I was a kid, I literally thought there was real drums in your ears. <laughs> yeah, the duck can't sleep because of Yogi's snoring. Snoring? Sheesh. I, I do like the uh, next gag that comes up. It's actually pretty cute. Yeah, by this point, the duck has fallen asleep, and the snoring duo slide in the bed until Yogi falls out. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, the the duck keeps keeps he'll sleep and just kind of pushes him next to like Yogi, almost like he's cuddling him, and Yogi just snores and it pushes him away, and the duck, then him, till yeah, as you said, Yogi just falls right out of bed. And the little guy looks like he might fall out too, but switches directions at the edge of the bed. Sheesh, indeed, Yogi. <laughs> and Yogi seems to be quite uh, surprised by the duck's mobility in his sleep. (laughs) In his next attempt at resting, the duckling is now settled into the top drawer of Yogi's dresser, and the big bear's snoring is pushing the dresser back and forth. There's really no good way to phrase that without getting in trouble with the phrasing police. 
it, it is worth saying though at one point it does close on the poor duck's neck and it looks painful yeah <laughs> and then the snoring slams the drawer completely shut then the sheer force of yogi snoring doesn't just send it open again but right to yogi I, I have to say, I love Yogi's face where he has his head right, right through the, like, drawer, and he just looks, like, so freaking done. <laughs> well, let's be honest. Yogi's only got himself to blame. Yep. But he's For just... this one, at least. <laughs> Take three, with the duckling resting on a fireplace next to a rifle on the wall? Why does Yogi have a rifle? <laughs> Gotta get out those prowlers! <laughs> I've seen him in Marvel. I don't like him. (laughs) The little guy notices Yogi starts sleepwalking and gets completely spooked about a bear in the cave. (laughs) Oh, I saw a bear. I saw a bear. Yeah, he grabs the rifle and opens fire, then goes to tell Yogi what he saw at the bed, only to realize Yogi's not at the bed. He was instead the target. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Daniel Boone, I know. Now, I, I'm going to give this duck credit. The fact that that duck shot a rifle that is like, what, 20 times his size? That's a strong duck. Yeah. <laughs> or strong duckling, I guess. Now trying to sleep in a glove, the duckling is freezing and has to make a fire. Yogi even lets him use the nearby hatchet if it means Yogi can actually get some sleep. This seems to be a victory as Yogi believes it might keep the little guy busy all winter. Unfortunately, the chopping sound keeps him up. Yeah. And when Yogi comes out to complain about the noise, he gets the business end of a falling tree. As those gags always go. <laughs> yep. So, Yogi's had it, and he's putting his smarter-than-the-average berryness to use, putting together a giant slingshot to send himself south for the winter. I didn't know bears go south for the winter. Yeah, neither did the duckling. But (laughs) he just shrugs and goes back to bed. And that duck now has a cave. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, hopefully uh, Yogi landed someplace nice like the Bahamas. And not someplace that's doing hunting season. Well, I don't think you'd be doing hunting season in the middle of winter anyways. So, as it turns out, Red Coffee would not return to play the final evolution of this character, Yaki Doodle on Yogi's own series. That would go to Jimmy Weldon, who did this very sort of voice for his ventriloquist dummy character, Webster Webfoot. And Weldon would later go on to perform a character as far from Yaki as you can get. (laughs) Should you do it, Pemmy, or should I? You you go for it. Solomon Grundy want pants too! (laughs) Yes, Solomon Grundy in Challenge of the Super Friends. Uh, me right behind you, Grod. <laughs> one last, one quick note about Weldon. He's still alive. Wow. At age 99, he might be the last surviving member of the original Hanna-Barbera voice team. Dang. Yeah. Well, oh, the original team, I guess, because, I mean, I was going to say Frank's still alive, but, you know, he didn't yeah. start until, like, well, Scooby-Doo, so. Right. So, We're going to take a short break to grab our own picnic basket. And when we return, we've got some shorts from the Yogi Bear show proper. Stay tuned. See ya. 
Yogi is smarter than the average bear, right? Is that supposed to be some big deal? That's funny. Can't seem to recall any Nobel Prize winning bears. Ah, the next Penny and James podcast. Who better to headline the fantastic world of Hanna-Barbera than Yogi Bear himself? Reviving the classic funny animal characters that put the company on the map, Yogi's treasure hunt also saw the return of Dick Dastardly and Muttley, all on the hunt for lost treasures, global travels, and parodies of Patton? All this and more in two weeks. Yogi's on Nickelodeon, he's smarter than the average bear. Going into the 1960s and his own series, Yogi's popularity was beginning to be reflected in merchandising and licensing. Like Pemmy said at the beginning of the show, Kellogg's was a sponsor of both Huckleberry Hounds and Yogi's own show, leading to their characters appearing in ads on boxes for the breakfast cereal. And Yogi himself landed two such spots, on cornflakes and the now discontinued OK Oat cereal. Yeah, it's a... Kellogg's doing a lot of uh, sponsoring with them because, uh, yeah, I remember like Quintro McGraw even was on the cover of like uh, of some of their cereals for a while there. McNaught Syndicate started a Yogi Bear newspaper comic authored by Gene Hazelton the same year as Yogi's own series got started. And this comic strip would run all the way to 1988. Impressive. Yeah. And Dell Comics would make a separate series of comic books based on Yogi, with Gold Key Comics picking up Dell's numbering when they got the license following that. I have uh, one of the uh, small compilation books of one of those comics that I got at a used bookstore really cheap. Oh, nice. And this, of course, is in addition to the various small toys and plush items and what have you, many of which you see on the interstitial segments on Boomerang. Or used to see, anyway. I miss those days. Me too. The Flintstones may well have been Hanna-Barbera's biggest success story, but Yogi was effectively the company's mascot throughout the 1960s, even if his own series only lasted two seasons. That, and it still ran reruns for a long time. So. Oh, for sure. But yeah, it's like, when I think of Hanna-Barbera, it's like, I think of one of three characters. It's like Yogi Bear, Fred Flintstone, or Scooby-Doo. Those are always like the three characters I think of the most. Mm-hmm. Also, it really should be mentioned, by this point, Yogi's writing really improved, as evidenced by the first short we're looking at this part of the show, A Bear Living, which was written by Looney Tunes veteran Warren Foster. Nice. With animation by Art Davis, who was himself a Warner animator and director. Also story director uh, Alex Lovey, who worked with both the Warner Brothers and the Looney Tunes and also worked on Woody Woodpecker at... Walter Lance's studio. Yep. We also talked about him on Clue Club. Yeah. Of all things. <laughs> Once again, don't you just love how these things all tie together? So Ranger Smith is calling Yogi to the Ranger Station, and Yogi is mentally checking if he's caused any mischief to merit a punishment. He hasn't done anything recently. My conscience is clear. Once there, the ranger is telling Yogi to follow the rules by the book. And Yogi quips he thought the ranger was going to marry him and Boo Boo. Progressive. (laughs) Smith goes over all the anti-feeding the bear rules, which forbids bears from the picnic areas and cabins, forbids them from begging for food and so on. 
and Yogi jokes if fresh air is against the rules. You're fresh enough without fresh air, Yogi. Yeah, Ranger Smith is being very authoritative this episode. I also want to point out the fact that uh, when uh, Boo Boo laughed at the marriage joke, Ranger Smith uh, scolded uh, Boo Boo for it, which seemed unnecessary. A little bit. And Boo Boo can't help but laugh at the fresh air gag. I'm disappointed in you, Boo Boo. Yogi eventually asks to borrow the book to study it over. And of course, he's looking for a loophole, which he finds. Oh, yeah, I should have mentioned something earlier. Sorry. Yeah, when Boo Boo laughs at Ranger Smith's joke about, like, you're fresh enough, like, uh, Ranger Smith's like, thank you, Boo Boo. And then Yogi's like, oh, it's okay for him to laugh at your joke, but not my joke. But, you know, Yogi's got a freaking point there. True, true, too true. But yeah, Yogi asks for the book so he can take a good look at the rules and study them. So, finding his loophole with rocks and lumbar in tow, Yogi asks Boo Boo for a bucket. Turns out the loophole involves Yogi building a wishing well for tourists to throw coins into. Hey, I'll give Yogi some credit here. He built that pretty fast. Yeah. He's a productive bear. Now a father and son duo make a wish and Yogi opens up a coin slot to get the money. After all, not only does the book not say anything about a wishing well, it also doesn't say anything about the bears buying food. Yeah. This is a scheme that uh, Top Cat would be impressed by. Mm -hmm. And to top it off, we transition over to a waiter talking to the bears about said regulation book, and there's also no rule against serving bears at the inn. This... I have to say it, is one of the best executions of the basic Yogi Bear premise I've ever seen. It really backs up that he is indeed smarter than the average bear. Yep. <laughs> Infuriating Ranger Smith at that. <laughs> and as he orders everything on the menu twice over, the Ranger overhears it and is absolutely dumbstruck. Also, we get a prime example of the fact that this was like, what, the 1960s? Because... Ranger Smith has a jaw-dropping moment at a bill that's like $32. <laughs> wow, is he on an expense account? My thought was, inflation really is out of control. Yeah. Ranger Smith confronts Yogi with the tab, calling him a deadbeat bear, but Yogi reveals a veritable mountain of change, enough for a generous tip to be included, according to him. I'm the last of the red-hot tippers. The ranger asks the fourth wall where Yogi's getting it all from, and then follows to find Yogi hop into a car. And jet off with it. Ranger Smith's convinced, though, that he stole the car. Grand Theft Bear. Yeah. And under that premise, the ranger pursues, and Yogi leads him on a race along a mountain road to the top. And reaching it, Yogi reveals his registration for the car. What place gives a registration to a bear? Nothing yeah. when did he get to a car lot? And on top of that, we're kind of reaching a minor now wait just a minute moment. Because how much is this well taking in during this apparently short time? Also, can you imagine how many quarters that would have been that he gave for that car? Well then again, this is the nineteen sixties, maybe it wasn't so bad. <laughs> Look, it's a great gag. It 
just requires a little mental work on the part of sticklers like me. Check it out. I've got a, ma- a literal mountain of quarters. Can I have a car? Sure thing. I can turn this mountain into a tourist attraction. <laughs> this was the day of the road trip. And things like the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So, when pressed on the source of his money, Yogi explains he's got a little gold mine in a proverbial sense. But the ranger is such a square that he takes it literally and panics about prospectors ruining the park. And literally begs Yogi to, like, get rid of his... uh gold mine and not tell a soul about it. Yeah. He even goes so far as to offer to throw the regulation book out as regards to him if he does. And Yogi can do whatever he wants. Obviously this won't last, but... (laughs) Yeah, until, you know, status quo resets for next episode. (laughs) But as they're going to destroy the well, Boo Boo has one last wish he wants to make. That Ranger Smith never finds out about the wishing well. And Yogi agrees, because if the ranger does, we're going to wish he hadn't. I got to tell you, Pemmy, you probably picked the one short out of the four we're looking at that I would 100% recommend anybody curious about Yogi Bear go and check out if they're going to just watch one of his shorts. Because this perfectly encapsulates everything that works about the premise and these three characters. Yeah, I remember when we were thinking of episodes, I remember I streamed several episodes and liked this one a lot. So, good thing I remembered that. Well, let's round out our review with with one from the second season of the series, Acrobat Yogi. It's also written by Warren Foster and with animation by Robert Bentley, a Warner and MGM veteran who joined the Hanna Barbera team in time for said second season. Now, it's worth mentioning that William Hanna and Joseph Barbera brought a lot of people from MGM over for this since MGM just closed down. Yeah. So Yogi and Boo Boo are enjoying the fresh spring atmosphere. And uh, as an aside, I noticed we've covered all the seasons except autumn in this podcast. Wow. Heck of a coincidence. Yeah, I guess that one just fell off. I guess that one just falls off sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. But as they're enjoying the fresh spring atmosphere, they spot a circus coming into town. And they take note of the acts coming in, especially Cindy the Trick Bear. Ah, Cindy's early design. (laughs) Yes, folks, this is indeed the first appearance of Yogi's on-and-off romantic interest. And she looks nothing like the Cindy we know today, let me tell you. Though it does go more in style with early... Hanna-Barbera designs where they'll just randomly color an animal something insane. Yeah. So it's like, so she's blue. <laughs> yeah, she's basically a copy of Yogi's character model with blue fur, little makeup, and more feminine accessories. And her ears lowered down so that she can wear a hat. Mm-hmm. I, I will be honest, I definitely can say I like the uh, later Cindy design better. <laughs> Yeah, Yogi and Cindy have a past, too. And Yogi still has it bad for her of the hard eyes are in the indication. Which is kind of funny, considering how they play them later, but that's beside the point. But Yogi worries she's forgotten all about him. 
and Boo Boo suggests he forget her in return, but Yogi can't. Yogi's pining for the fjords. Well, she's got the right color for fjords. <laughs> so off he goes to follow the circus out of the park, despite it being yet another thing that the ranger forbids. Hey, James. Yeah. Uh, considering the design, does that mean that he went out to explore the wild blue yonder? Oh. Oh, dear. <laughs> that joke came out of the blue. <laughs> oh. Don't get blue that you didn't think of it. Dabba dee, dabba die. <laughs> so, once the circus is set up, and this thing isn't just a circus, this is a whole carnival. Yogi searches to find his lady love and first finds a gorilla who just wants their privacy. Gives him quite the hit. Cindy finds Yogi and she's speaking with a sweet southern accent. That would become a norm for her. Yeah. Do we know who voiced her for this? Because it kind of sounds like uh, Janet Waldo. It's actually Julie Bennett. Ah! A veteran at this point in her career, having done live-action roles like supporting character Jan Petrie in the televised version of Dragnet. And she would go on to perform several other animated characters over the ensuing years, including Kitty Joe on the Catanooga Cats, and Aunt May in the later seasons of the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Nice. And she'd revise Cindy numerous times, but not necessarily be the only actress to perform her. Yeah, if there's anything I can say about Cindy Bear, her voice actress was inconsistent from show to show. Mm-hmm. So, Yogi reminisces about how he shared a picnic basket with her. I mean, how many bears besides Boo Boo does he do that with? Yeah. And he stands on one hand, but his little stunt is dismissed as silly by Cindy, and she bids him adieu. And Yogi is heartbroken, but wants to prove himself. Yep. And simultaneously to this, he's noticed by a colonel and a ringmaster who also find him utterly silly. And that ringmaster looks like he could be a relative for Dick Dastardly. Mm-hmm. They wonder if Yogi can take over Charlie's lion taming act. Good old Charlie. Hats off. Yeah. R.I.P. And the ringmaster has the right motivation. A bullwhip. Well, I think there's few people that wouldn't motivate, sometimes in different ways. <laughs> we should mention, no actual bears were harmed in the making of this cartoon. That just makes it more bearable. It doesn't take much convincing of the lovesick yogi to join the show, and the first thing on the itinerary is what to do with a chair. Sit on it, Potsy. <laughs> I mean, that's typically what you do with them. Yep. But he takes a whipping right off it. And somehow got whipped right in the butt, despite the fact he was sitting on the chair. That's uh, impressive. Yeah, Indiana Jones would be envious. Eventually, Yogi gets the gist of chair handling, but he's clearly being kept in the dark about the lions, since he thinks nobody will pay to watch a bear wiggle a chair. Would you? Uh, no. I, I mean, I might be impressed at first, but... <laughs> Yogi goes to brag to Cindy, who instantly realizes what's up and worries for Yogi's safety. But Yogi takes it as worrying he'll be a flop. Yogi's confidence is, uh, is impressive, I will say that. Too true. Come showtime, the lions are in an ugly mood, and we get a 
little bit of Cindy's act as she roller skates on one foot. That was a popular thing back in those days. Mm-hmm. How do you teach a bear to roller skate, though? Yogi is cued for his act, and the crowd goes wild for him as he walks into the cage. And he finally realizes why, once he's completely surrounded. The Dick Dastardly-esque ringmaster tells Yogi to, Use the chair, Yogi, use the chair! But, uh, yeah, it's not gonna work! Yeah, it's too late. The lions have eaten the chair. We're just missing an appearance from Tony the Tiger. This routine is great! You know, I was more thinking, lions and tigers and bears! Oh my! Or if this was our last podcast, tables and ladders and chairs, oh my. <laughs> nice. However, Yogi's so scared he manages to break right through the cage. Even, yeah. he's, a, even he's surprised by it. And one of the lions follows him out. The other three lions are presumably dealing with indigestion from eating that chair. Or maybe they were just too big to get through that. I have to say that is one thing I do like in cartoons. Whenever they do something that, by all logic, is unbelievable, but they point it out, it just, for some weird reason, makes it more, makes you more willing to accept it. Yeah. <laughs> now, Yogi read once that lions can't climb ladders, so he goes up the trapeze, only to realize his pursuer can't read. <laughs> by that, we mean he climbed the ladder. Yeah. Good and, gag, though. Mm-hmm. Nice little variation on the, uh, I know this defies the law of gravity, but uh, I never studied law. But that would be, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Deployed on several Looney Tunes shorts. So Yogi has no choice but to fly in the swings and leap off a tightrope. Yep, as he he keeps being chased by this this very dedicated lion. And fortunately for the ringmaster and colonel, the... The entire audience thinks this is part of the act. Mm -hmm. And once Yogi leaps off, he lands right through a paper net that the circus team grabbed, which was no doubt meant for the clown's performance. Yep, with a very brief, awkwardly squashed Yogi animation. Mm -hmm. Now, these heroics and acrobatics actually win Cindy over, but Yogi is quite reasonably bugged by nearly being killed. Yeah, Yogi was sarcastic on a level that I, I usually don't see until, like, I don't know, the 80s or 90s cartoons where he's just like, oh, yeah, you're so good, Yogi. I almost got killed. And, oh, yeah, that lion is still after him. So much so that he runs clear home to Jellystone with Lion in still in pursuit. Yogi slams his cave door shut behind him and Boo Boo, since there's no better time to resume hibernation. (laughs) One can only assume Ranger Smith and a heap of staff and hired help deal with the lion following the end of this cartoon. Yeah, I hope they made a good call to animal control. Mm -hmm. I also hope that circus got sued. (laughs) Maybe that's how Cindy got back to Jellystone. Now, naturally, this wasn't the end of Yogi's career in show business. In 1964, Hey There, It's Yogi Bear would be the Hanna-Barbera team's first ever feature film production, distributed by Columbia Pictures, but naturally now owned by Warner Brothers. This movie would be the debut of the Cindy Bear look we're now much more familiar with. And I personally prefer it's a way cuter design. Oddly, though... 
By the time of the early 70s series Yogi's Gang, they reverted back to the blue one. But didn't revert it back to the brown one for Laugh Olympics. Yeah, and that's where it stayed, thankfully. Yeah. Also, Hey There, Yogi Bears, I actually seen that movie fairly recently. It's actually a really cute and charming movie. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember, I don't, don't, I'm not saying this is legit. I remember reading somewhere that the whole reason that movie got made was someone was criticizing Hanna-Barbera and saying they could never make a theatrical movie. And Joe Barbera was like, oh yeah, watch me. <laughs> and while I don't know if that's a hundred percent true, I wouldn't put it past Joe Barbera. <laughs> yeah. A little later in the decade, the short subjects from both his series and Huckleberry Hound's series, and we mean all of them. And even some that weren't directly related, like Top Cat. They would be repackaged together for syndication, and then Yogi's shorts, on their own, would do turns on the USA Cartoon Express in the mid-80s, and in the early 90s, Nickelodeon would pick up the rights, repackaging them as Nickelodeon's Most Wanted, Yogi Bear. This later run would also repeat the 70s revival shows Yogi's Gang and Galaxy Goof-Ups on occasion. Yeah. Yogi's Gang has its has issues of its own, but man, Galaxy Goof Ups is rough. Yeah. <laughs> and for some weird reason, Huckleberry Hound and Yogi Bear drank some idiot juice before they did that show because, God, both of them are beyond stupid on that show. Yogi would return to the silver screen in 2010 for a CGI live-action hybrid movie with Yogi being voiced by Dan Aykroyd and Justin Timberlake turning in a show-stealing performance as Boo Boo. Justin Timberlake's Boo Boo is amazingly accurate, to the point where I was like, did they resurrect Don Messick? <laughs> Though, unfortunately, the movie would not be a massive hit. I've actually not seen that movie, but the general consensus I've heard of it is it's, eh, which kind of was what a lot of those live-action revival shows kind of fill. But wait, there's more! Yogi would also be the sponsor of a short-lived chain of chicken fast food restaurants, only one of which is still in operation as of this recording in Hartsville, South Carolina. It's like Yogi Bear's Honey Fried Chicken. Yep. And to this day, there's a decent-sized chain of Jellystone Camp Resorts in both the U.S. and Canada. Yeah, I think there's one I I sometimes see whenever I... I don't remember where it was, but when I drive from... uh, where I live to Port Aransas, and that's like a 10, 8 to 10 hour trip, so there's a lot of places to cover. But I do recall seeing one of those every time I make that trip. So There's a couple in upstate New York, too. Yogi Bear even almost became part of the animatronic entertainment slash arcade slash pizza chain racket. I didn't know about that. Yeah, for a brief time, Showbiz Pizza experimented with licensed characters using Yogi and Boo Boo in place of two of the existing characters of the franchise to unusual results. They had to use the same animatronic framework, so Boo Boo was positioned to pop his head out occasionally from a rock. Yeesh. Yeah, it was a little odd. Well, I gotta say, though, that makes Five Nights at Freddy's all the more ironic now, or all the more coincidental now. And of course, this isn't counting the other revival shows and made-for-TV movies and specials in the 80s and beyond. The most recent, of course, being the ensemble comedy series Jellystone on HBO Max, as well as theme park attractions and much, much more. 
Yeah, there was that uh, Universal ride they did that was like an animated one of those deals where they put you in front of the uh, big uh, the big video monitor or uh, theatrical screen, and uh, you know you sit in the chairs and it moves around while you watch it. Where uh, Dick Dashley and Butley kidnap freaking Elroy Jetson for some reason, and Yogi and Boo Boo have to chase him in a rocket. Yeah, the uh, the, the phrase you're looking for is motion simulator. Thank you. Yeah, and it goes through like multiple uh, Hanna Barbera worlds, like the Flintstones, Scooby Doo, and the Jetsons. Yeah, that ride would sadly be replaced by the time I got to go to Universal Studios. Yeah, I never got to experience it too, but I did download the footage because someone posted that on YouTube. So yeah, for a long time it was a Nickelodeon ride. After that, and today it's themed to Despicable Me. You. <laughs> It's still weird, though. It's like, I know Dick Dashley and Muttley are villains, but I didn't think they were up for kidnapping. <laughs> so, do we have any parting thoughts on Yogi Bear that uh, don't coincide with next episode's subject? They did try to do a revival of the series in the 80s, which was the new Yogi Bear show, which I'll say is... Uh, eh. <laughs> I, I felt... I, I briefly had Boomerang it, uh, uh, online and watched them, and yeah, yeah, they're they're not as good. <laughs> but it did have a new ranger named Ruby Doo, which, all right, uh, voiced by Peter Cullen, which was hmm. interesting, as kind of a sidekick for uh, Ranger Smith. Yeah, so he didn't have to constantly talk to the fourth wall. Yep. And, of course, you know, uh, we mentioned Laugh Olympics. Yogi has a team on Laugh Olympics, which was also interesting because his team consisted of most the uh, – with a couple of exceptions, mostly the '60s era talking funny animal characters. Only exception being Grape Ape because he was from the '70s, but he kind of just fit with them. So, yeah, which you know had the Yogi's, the Scoobies, the Scooby Doobies, and the Really Rotten's. Which the Scooby Doobies consist of mostly '70s era meddling kids cartoons and Hong Kong Fooey. <laughs> right, but uh, Yogi's a fun character. He, it's sim- he's simple but fun, and like I said earlier, it's amazing how he's kind of outlived his uh, his inspiration. Because I mean, I doubt any like many people know who he's an imitation of now, despite the fact he's still doing commercials and Jellystone and still saying "Hey." So, do you want to see if we can find an old box of that OK cereal? Not really, because from what I understand, eating old cereal is. Not the best act. <laughs> okay, we'll just have to make do with some uh, Cheerios then. Let's go restock the breakfast cereal. Better than the average cereal! Hey! Thanks for tuning in, folks. We appreciate each and every download, each and every review, and each and every listen. We think you're pretty fine, so we appreciate your time! Hey! Good night, everyone. I'm gonna go hibernate. <laughs> <laughs> The preceding podcast is a co-production of the Mighty Monkey Corporation and Artificial Orange Studios. The theme song is written, composed, and performed by Shawn Michael Smith.